Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live, talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. Hello there and welcome to a Monday. January is on its last legs. This is the last Monday in January. That means this is the last show I'm doing uh, on a Monday for a while. Uh, I'll be here tomorrow and Wednesday, and then I am off for R&R, returning on the first Monday after February, which I think is March 5th, okay? February is the shortest month. I get to tack on a little bit more to get to a 30, like 31. So that's how we end up on March 5th. (laughs) I may have to be dragged into her here. I don't know. Okay, guys, <clears throat> how you doing? I'm already sort of mentally half gone, um, and uh, already trying to disengage somewhat from the news. I, it is unbearable. I want to go on record right now as saying that I, for the first time since doing a talk show. Uh, either uh, on the internet or broadcast, I do not think I am going to watch the State of the Union address. Um, It always was a trial for me (laughs) to watch SOTU's State of the Union address. I hate it from beginning to end. Um, it is a rare president that can make that speech anything you want to sit through. Uh, the the part I've always liked best about it is looking at the Speaker of the House and the um, Vice President standing behind, sitting behind the president, and especially if they're of a different party, uh, to see their misery and uh, refusal to really. Uh, respond uh, to the speech. Unfortunately, uh, with the Republicans controlling everything, that will be. And I don't. I don't want to look. There's a three guys I can't bear to even look at. I don't. <laughs> I can't. And I'm not the only one bailing. A lot of people are. <clears throat> the last thing I want to do is to listen to him. Uh, his perception of his first year and the uh, state of the union. I hate the way everybody, you know, like when he comes in, it's the only time it's sort of like a king, it seems to me. Mr. President, the President of the United States. And in he comes, and all the senators and congressmen, you know, like, the whole thing creeps me out, always has. With Trump, I just can't take it. I intend to have as close to a Trump-free February as is possible. Um, I'm still negotiating with myself about whether or not to also literally unplug everything. I mean, obviously, I have to have my phone, but whether or not I'm going to tell myself to not look at email, not look at Twitter, not look at anything else that is on there, all of which have have an addictive quality, right? 
The problem is with doing that, you end up having to come back to reality. And then you're just right in it again. Excuse me, I'm just talking to myself here. Um, <clears throat> I want to start with something, and I, I'm a little, f I don't, I had some friends over last night for dinner, and I um, happened to excitedly mention to them this piece that I'd seen uh, in the Sunday New York Times, and as I told them about it, a piece I find fascinating and uh, mind-blowing. They got so depressed listening to me and actually said, like, you know, well, geez, what a way to end the night. I mean, the food was wonderful, but God, what would you have to... And I thought, oh, gee, I intend to share that with my audience tomorrow. I didn't react like that to it. So I'm a little fearful because I don't want to um, depress you. I think the only way a person can be depressed by this is to be in total denial about reality. So <laughs> I don't think you are. So let, let me try it on you, and I'll be curious to know whether you find it depressing or whether you find it in some measure uh, illuminating. Um, it's really an exercise in perception. So often uh, we all perceive, well, what that is. Needless to say, we all have our own perception of things. And perception tends to be pretty blinkered, um, I would suggest. Uh, and I think I've alluded to that in the past, where, someone, where we think, oh, we're having such a terrible time. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that's the perception of a person living as comfortably as um, humans have ever lived on the globe and um, what we complain about is not about basics like you know eating and shelter and all that although we did spend a lot of time talking about the fact that some people in this country do some people are hungry homeless hopeless but broadening, broadening perception is always a good exercise, I think. And so what this is, is a, a way of understanding where we, humanity, where we fit in the course of time. And... None of this is going to be new to you. It's simply the metaphor that is employed in this piece that is mind-blowing. I have always found humans hubris off-putting. <laughs> I have found the sense that we are the be-all and end-all, the smartest ever, that I've always found it extraordinary that humans can think that. Because 
You know, all you got to do is cast your gaze up to a night sky to get put in your place uh, of how small we are. When astronauts first were able to look back at our entire planet, and it's just this little... And then if you look at the whole solar system, our little planet is just that teeny thing. And so as you you broaden perspective, we become smaller. And I think that's a good perspective to always keep in mind because it sure does help humble a person. And if there's one thing I think humans can use a lot more of, it is humbling. So, do this exercise with me. Uh, this is uh, a geological perspective. I, I took one geology class in college and was just blown away by it. I can't say I was very good at like the lab aspect and everything, but just it was the first time I was introduced to how old <laughs> this planet is and how and and to this day when I drive around this area where roads are cut through uh vast you know, huge mounds of history, geological history, every every striation uh, telling a story uh, about another time. And a geological perspective is as humbling as any can be. So allow me to share this with you. If humbling is something that depresses you, then go away right now. I find humbling almost comforting. <laughs> There's something comforting about knowing that we're not as important as we think. There's something that I find burdensome about thinking that we're the be-all and end-all and I embrace anything that suggests that we're not. So this is <coughs> the, the metaphor employed. The world we all are on in, the globe we're spinning around on, is older than we can imagine. It's our heads can't get around it, I assure you. It's beyond human comprehension. Another, well, that's our first humbling experience. We can't get our heads around it, where we fit in the big picture. So with humility being the order of the day, this geologist suggests that we take a walk to grasp the extent of the timeline that we are in and on. 
And so let me share with you the metaphor. He suggests that we take a walk and that every step we take equals 100 years. Every step you take will be an entire century. And to do the walk, and this is in the New York Times, so he starts the walk on the Upper West Side of, the New, York, uh, of, of New York City at the uh, Hayden Planetarium. Which is another way of feeling small, is <laughs> getting into astronomy. But we start at the Hayden Planetarium. Here's what's mind-boggling. With each step, so we're at the front door. With each step representing 100 years, we don't even make it to the sidewalk before all of recorded history Everything we know, the empires, the holy books, everything that man has done is already behind us. Yet don't make the sidewalk. And once we're on the sidewalk, <laughs> once we're on the sidewalk, we are in a time before humanity. After walking more than 24 hours, we're walking at quite a clip here, we make it into Pennsylvania. And we continue. We walk as the crow flies right through Pennsylvania. And you know that's a schlep. <laughs> and we are not even to the end of the age of dinosaurs. We have walked from the Upper West Side of New York. We are entering Ohio and dinosaurs have not shown themselves. Think of each step a hundred years. We find our first dinosaur soon to be extinct somewhere in Ohio. And then as we continue through Ohio through Indiana, through Illinois, through Iowa. It's not until we're well into Nebraska, each step being a hundred years, that we see the first dinosaurs appear. So the era of dinosaurs on that walk of ours stretches from Nebraska with one step being a hundred years. From Nebraska, they were on this earth all the way through. I'm going back the other way. Iowa. Illinois. <laughs> Indiana. Ohio. 
Pennsylvania, New York State, into New York City, right? We, as I said, are left, we're pretty much, we're still on the Upper West Side and humanity. Stop and think about it. We are such a blink, we aren't even a blink. We aren't even a, and let me tell you, if you could keep on walking, I left you in Nebraska. If you would keep on walking with each step being a hundred years and you walk, you know, we'll get the Rockies out of your way. We're going to walk straight, make it to the Pacific Ocean. We have managed to cover only 10% of the Earth's history. You see, you can't get your head around it. Human's time on this planet is, if it were to end tomorrow, would not even be noted in the geological record. There would, there's nothing that will last. And you realize when you put yourself, humans, in that timeline and perspective, it is laughable how we think this is all here for us. It's laughable. It also sort of puts the kibosh on all the mythological stories, all religious stories of, uh, of this. Be, you know, obviously, if you're a literal uh, interpreter of the Bible, uh, this, this is un it's just impossible, right? Because all of those stories we tell ourselves in our religions, we are the very special inheritance. <laughs> inheritors of this globe. It's bullshit, guys. It's bullshit. Calling humanity at this point even a flash in the pan is giving us too much credit. And the way we are conducting ourselves and have conducted ourselves in our e evolution in our little sliver suggests that we ain't going to last very long. So this idea that somehow we could cease to be, that is so absolutely unbearable for people to accept, is a kind of hubris and denial that I find fascinating. Why must we think that? I mean, we live our lives in our time, in our time. 
by minutes and by hours. It is so divorced from geological time that, as you can see, it's hard to even make a comparison. But when we think of nature, and we think we can control it, we think that somehow, what? What do we think? The dinosaurs lasted. If we last as long as dinosaurs lasted, my God, think of the walk again. We're just the very first humans, if that's the case. But any thinking human knows that ain't going to be the case. And if humans survive, it will not be in the form that we are now. It will be what I've always suggested as machinery. But I don't even think that's going to happen. And if you find this depressing, I know people find it depressing, but why? It ain't going to happen while we're here, and probably not even our children or our children's children, and at some point, it's over. How it ends is anybody's guess, but we know that humans have gained the capacity to destroy the globe, to, to denude it of life. And even if we end up doing that, this big orb with its water and its landmass will still be here. And in geological time, it'll probably be pretty quick to cleanse itself and to start over. Um, I'm sorry if this is depressing. I find it not only fascinating but somehow comforting. But that's because I'm odd, I guess. This piece then suggests that because of the acti because of humans' activity in just the last 150, 200 years, we have already altered the atmosphere in a way that no other living thing flora or fauna has and we are continuing to do so and we are on record as if the next few centuries continue we will humans alone will make this planet warmer than it has been in 420 million years. So, I just want to say, get over yourself. That's what I want to say. Can we all just understand we're not that big a deal?
and the man who wrote this piece, Peter Brannon, says in the next few decades, which in geological time doesn't even register, in the next few decades, he says, we, humanity, will decide whether humanity's legacy will be a barely a sliver, <laughs> a sliver, a geological embarrassment ex accessible only to the most eagle-eyed geologist in a far future. Or, in the next few decades, we will decide whether humanity will begin an enduring epoch like the dinosaurs achieved. But our presence here on Earth is destroying, we know already, all the species that are dying off now, largely because of us and our activities. And I think if you read the writing on the wall, we will be a flash in the pan. All our, as I said, all our holy books explaining why we're here, giving us a story, all the brilliant inventions of humanity, all the art, the architecture, everything that man created. In the geological record, it doesn't even register. We didn't make it to the sidewalk. Was that depressing? I don't think so. And I wish more people would take it in. It's good to be humble. And <clears throat> what could be more humbling than living in a country that elected Donald Trump president? What can be more humbling than that? So I want everybody to get up off their high horses to accept their essential-ness. <laughs> And maybe it'll give you some relief. One of the reasons one of my friends last night got so depressed, she's an activist, she said, well, if people understand that, if they believe it, they'll stop working to make things better. And I said, why? <laughs> I think that's not true at all. I think knowing this and knowing that time is not on our side, that people would work even harder to ensure that the humans that are on this earth 
live with a knowledge of being part of something so much bigger than us that if humans can keep that humility of their real position in mind, I think they would be less destructive. That's my guess. So I don't care what books tell us that tell you or that we have dominion over the earth. That is such a lie. But we could destroy it. Mary, okay, I've got this. I'll read anything from George Carlin. Thank you. She says, this is George Carlin, sort of on the same topic. It's really hard to read it. We're so self-important. Everybody's going to save something now. Save the trees. Save the bees. Save the whales. Save those snails. And the greatest arrogance of all. Save the planet. Save the planet. We don't even know how to take care of ourselves yet. I am tired of this shit. I'm tired of fucking Earth Day. I'm tired of these self-righteous environmentalists, these white bourgeois liberals who think the only thing wrong with the country is that there aren't enough bicycle paths. Hey, Pedodo, did you hear that? People trying to make the world safe for Volvos. Besides, environmentalists don't give a shit about the planet. Not in the abstract, they don't. You know what they're interested in? A clean place to live. Their own habitat. They're worried that someday in the future they might not personally, they might be personally inconvenienced. <laughs> Narrow, unenlightened self-interest doesn't impress me. Whoa. I'm not quite done. I know we've got calls. I'm just going to finish Carlin because, I mean, it's Carlin. Excuse me. The planet has been through a lot worse than us. <laughs> been through earthquakes, <clears throat> volcanoes, plate tectonics, continental drift, solar forces, sunspots, magnetic storms, the magnetic reversal of the poles, hundreds of thousands of years of Bombardment by comics, comets and asteroids and meteor, uh, meteors, worldwide floods, tidal waves, worldwide fires, erosion, cosmic rays, recurring ice ages, and we think some plastic bags and some aluminum cans are going to make a difference? I'm not quite agreeing with him, by the way, here. <clears throat> the planet isn't going anywhere. Here it is. <laughs> the planet isn't going anywhere. We are. We're going away. Pack your shit, folks. We're going away. And we won't leave much of a trace either. Maybe a little styrofoam. The planet will be here and we'll be long gone. Just another failed mutation. Just another 
closed and biological mistake and an evolutionary cul-de-sac. The planet will shake us off like a bad case of fleas. Whoa. Got one more paragraph. Wow. The planet will be here for a long, long, long time after we're gone, and it will heal itself. It will cleanse itself, because that's what it does. It's a self-correcting system. The air and the water will recover. The earth will be renewed. And if it's true that plastic is not degradable, well, the planet will simply incorporate plastic into a new paradigm, the earth plus plastic. The earth doesn't shore, the earth doesn't share our prejudice toward plastic. Plastic comes out of the earth. The earth probably sees plastic as just another one of its children. Could be the only reason the earth allowed us to be spawned from it in the first place. If any, if wanted plastic, I don't agree with this. Uh, Why are we here? Plastic. (laughs) I think the one paragraph. We're going away. Pack your shit, folks. We're going away and we won't leave much of a trace. Maybe a little piece of styrofoam. The planet will still be here. It'll repair itself. We'll just be long gone. Another failed mutation. Another closed-end biological mistake. An evolutionary cul-de-sac. The planet will shake us off like a bad case of fleas. That. All right, let's get to the calls. Hello, caller. Caller. Hello. Hi. Hello. Yeah. Hey, Lynn. Um, I, I believe in the global warming, but I don't believe that we're the ones c- completely... It doesn't matter. We're, but what I'm saying is the planet's warming up on its own. It doesn't matter what we do. I mean, it does. We're, we're fluent some of it, but I don't think... I think the people, the scientists and people that write articles like that will be humbled for thinking they're so fucking smart. I, I, think, I don't think they know what they're talking about a lot of times. And you see that as a backpedal on so many different things. First it's this and then it's that. So I can't totally believe that we're the complete cause of it. I think it's happening on its own. And we're, we're probably helping it along. But we're not, we're so wonderful. We're, everything we're doing down here is causing it. I don't believe it. I think, yeah, we're going to cause some of it, but I think it's doing it on its own because it's in cycles. And just if you read some of the history and <clears throat> some of the things that happened in the past, it's the planet's doing it on, on its own. I do believe that. Okay, well, you... Now, we're... we're it doesn't... It's not going to change course. anything that you believe that. I believe you're wrong. Uh, it, I, I it won't make a bit of difference. Which now, I believe in clean air, so I believe in going and do all that stuff. But I think it's going to do it on its own. We might change it a little bit faster, not that much. It's going to change on its own, and then we're either we get off this planet, go somewhere else, or we all die, or whoever's here, you know. That's how I believe. Okay. But that's just opinion. Okay, yep, it is. Yep. Okay, see ya. Okay, then. Bye. Okay, we'll see you. Bye. Bye. <clears throat> Got another call. Hang on. Yes, hey, caller. Lynn. Hi, go ahead. Yes, 
uh, George from Moon. Hi, George. Hey, um, you, t- you touched on something. I I occasionally call into you and try to perk you up from these depressive rants you get into occasionally by by talking about the space program. Okay, and, and a lot of people write this off as oh, okay, it's about astronauts going to the moon and all this glory mongering and everything like that. And uh, I, you know, I. I want to correct that. I think the National Aeronautics and Space Administration is one of the few organizations that looks at the big questions of existence. They are the organization that uh, is tracking the environment, the ones who are discovering shrinking ice caps and and, uh, the effect of human uh, living on the planet, you know, like uh, contrails. I just saw a thing on contrails and uh, jets flying over, contributing to pollution of the atmosphere. They're providing the scientific point of view. Another person involved in, like, uh, astrophysics stuff was Carl Sagan, and he brought up about 30 years ago now the fact that one human event uh, that would extinguish life here and mess over the planet for a good time, and that is n- a nuclear war. Mm-hmm. Whether it would be a big one or whether it would be a small one, a regional one, and that is the biggest question uh, or the biggest concern. And people are working on it. People are working on it. That's what this Iranian and the Korean things are all about. That's right. It's about nonproliferation. I mean, the question is, is it, is it a bang or a whimper? Is it a, is it a nuclear holocaust that takes uh, humans off this planet, or is it, it something be, slower? It could, be, it, could be, uh, uh, it could be a regional nuclear war between two local powers okay? mm-hmm. uh, that would shroud over the planet right. and kill hundreds of millions of people and kill the animals and everything, and the vegetation and everything. Much like the asteroid did one, to the dinosaurs. Much like the asteroid did yes, to the dinosaurs. Yes. Same thing. Right. That's for the first time they were able to quantify we're capable of extinguishing the planet. Right. Here's the other thing. Here's Life other on the planet. NASA. Yeah. Yes. Uh, NASA is working on escaping from the planet. I know. <laughs> Believe it or not. I know they, they are, are, but why uh, should we, after we've fucked up so royally on this one why should we so we're supposed to go off and do it again someplace else i don't know that we're worth no, no, saving no, that, that, oh, that, that, that's all i is to have the capability to learn about the environment the neighborhood we're in not to escape that's really not the plan is to escape the thing is that it gives us capability of understanding what we're doing to the earth or what's going on with the earth in our surrounding solar system and everything it's a, a byproduct is that we'll have the capability maybe within the next hundred years to escape, as you said, pack your bags. And, and lastly, the third, the third thing I want to say was that, that the big questions, NASA was the only organization that has sent out a message for those in the universe that might think of what was going on with that little blue dot. And with the Voyager spacecraft, the two of them went into interstellar space, which means if there's anything or any conscious thing out there, they might know what happened back here. So that's why I'm saying NASA's six, oh, 60th anniversary, that's right, this year, it is the only organization 
that deals with the big questions. And that's positive, and I hope that reduces your depressive rant. So it it depressed you, too. I don't find it depressing. All right. Oh, it isn't I find it it getting your head straight, I mean, about who we are. That's all. Yes. Now, and And I... The greatest thing I like... The greatest thing I like that you brought up skepticism for religious dogma, because that is the greatest challenge we have out there. These wars that are going on are mostly religiously based, based on ignorance and backwardness. And Mythology. Everything. I mean, and just that a, is a huge challenge. Well, I, it, 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 all of this begs the bigger question: Are we worth saving? Will yeah, anyone be around to mourn us? As I said, we did some good things. We we managed to do good stuff, but um, yeah. I don't know. I'll, okay, yeah. I'll I'll. Th- I didn't need any. I cheer- hope that's a positive thing for you. Okay, it is, and yeah, I didn't sure. need any cheering up anyway. I don't find no, this I'm depressing. Not to cheer up. Okay, but yeah. I depressed you. Okay. Goodbye. <laughs> no, you didn't. Yes, all right. Goodbye. goodbye. <laughs> uh, we have another call. Hi, Lynn. It's Laura calling. Hi. Um, it was a pleasure listening to that last man speak. However, the man before him needs to read more about climate change. Uh, already people are suffering in other parts of the world from rising ocean levels. They're losing their homes. They're not able to plant rice because they're being flooded constantly. And Nicholas Kristof had a wonderful letter in the Post-Gazette saying that some of these poor farmers actually have to sell their daughters at ages of 10 and 12 off to be married to to men because they can't afford to feed them. And it's because of global warming. And yes, we are contributing to it. Um, This fracking that's going on now, today the Pennsylvania Supreme Court is going to listen to a case where EQT wants to frack near a brand new high school Thomas Jefferson High School in West Jefferson Hill School District, and they just keep coming back and keep coming back, yeah. and with all the carcinogenic chemicals that they use and the fact that Allegheny County already has the highest rate of cancers of any other county in the state, they want to put this drill close to a high school, not to mention explosions and spills, and uh, it has no no place near a residential neighborhood or a school and these things that um, the two callers before me the call not the last man but the caller before him said the environmental groups are just a waste of time they are very concerned about human health and and people need to be concerned about these issues it, it, they're not getting paid for I agree, alerting yeah. people mm-hmm. to the greed that the, some of these gas and oil companies are concerned about it and not human health. But I hear you. I hear you. Th- and thank you. <laughs> thank you. I pre- I appreciate the call. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. And uh, another caller. Hello. Hello. Hi, Lynn. Hi. 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 This is John. Um, I'm, uh, I just wanted to um, add, I was actually thinking about this for like days and days because I watched some videos. I I tend to watch debates about religion and um, uh, 
because, you know, I think in the last few years I've really clarified for myself my lack of belief or my atheism, and and I, it leaves you in a position of, of sort of looking for uh, a footing in the world as to your faith and human faith and things like that. And it's hard to tell other people and say, well, there's really nothing, and then leave them with nothing, kind of, and it's a, it's a quandary uh, for, for me. So, um, but I think about it often, and not in a distressing way. I'm kind of like, you hit on a note about how it didn't really bother you about how insignificant we are in the universe. And I think that's my feeling in general about a lot of this, is that I feel grateful for having emerged from mythology and into what is not a warm, fuzzy narrative of uh, mythology, but just reality. And, right, right, and right. The wonder of the wonder of existence. <clears throat> right. And I don't want to like. I just wanted to say. I wanted to drive at a point of when I hear. Uh, people say, well, we don't, you know, like Carlin's cynical, angry rant, I think, is a reaction, is a, is a counter-reaction to the other stuff that you hear about how we're the center of the world and, and all that. And, you know, I don't need to tell you with all that, all this stuff, all the, um, all that rosy stuff, and then there's the hell fate, if you don't, all that stuff, you know, all the all the mythology and all our notions about the human-centered universe, and he's reacting to that. And I don't think that once you sort of give that up, eventually I think you also give up the other end, which is we don't deserve to exist, and we're such, we're such crap and all that. We simply are something that the universe has produced. And we are a point in the universe that reflects upon itself. And... I feel. And that self-reflection leads into some really unusual things that you don't see elsewhere in, in nature, both on Earth and we haven't, you know, we, to our awareness, we just don't see what we are elsewhere. And I think that's a product of nature. I think that's a product of the forces that are work in this universe that are not personified, that, that don't have a persona that guides them. There's no narrative. The problem. The problem is there's a lack of a narrative. Why and do we need a narrative? Why? I mean, why can't we, we accept? Storytelling animals. <clears throat> well, but why can't we accept? Here's the story. There is no narrative. It is chaos. Yet, accept it. We can't. You and I can because we have science to 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 open unlock. The unlock the the you know like as we are standing. What what I think people don't understand is people don't really appreciate how good things are. It's one of the other hobby horses I have. That you know the the Trump thing brought that the clear relief for me is that people just don't see how good things are in the world. How how violence is diminished. How cooperation is. And, and there are bad things in the world, and they just focus on that. They're like, oh, we're crap. You know, they, you watch the news and you see something. The point is, uh, I mean, I don't want to lose my point. My point is, is that we're storytelling creatures. And Obviously. when you 
And when I look at the end of my existence, I know it'll be a hard, hard moment before I wink out. And I was talking to my girlfriend about this the other day because a friend of ours made a point about something about uh, the psychologist had this explanation, blah, 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 about human behavior, and it was how we need religion. And, and so we got into this conversation, and I said to her, I said, the problem is, is that you have to sit with, you have to sit with it, the idea, and, and grow accustomed to the idea that there, there is no, there is no, um, uh, the ego does, you know, the, the identity which you and I and all of us uh, have, that identity that we want to preserve against all the, uh, against all the forces of the world, of both human and natural destructive forces, you know, all the things that want to tear that identity apart, um, is, you know, we just simply, it's going to go. We're going to lose it. We're going to lose ourselves, and the universe will, we're never out of the universe, but there will, what we are will just be reabsorbed. You know, it's, it's not like it was ever a part. This is the like this is the duality that we have that we're like somehow apart and above and we're going to rise above and ascend into the cloud this is duality thinking the problem is is that your ego your identity your name every concept you have every sense of yourself just you have to accept that the universe is going is universe that that is part of something beyond yeah your identity totally I mean, and okay. Explain I've, that to a religious person well, and they'll just look at you like, hmm. go ahead. No, I mean, Sorry. okay, we're going to have to, um, I mean, we could, I can, this is one of those conversations that no, we no, can no, I, I go know, on I forever. Um, but, yeah, I know. I, yeah, I, I, know. Know. I mean, I think, I, I think uh, your, the fact that we are storytellers is, uh, is a big, that's uh, a big reality. That is true. But these stories are not true. These stories, I, right. I, we somehow we are built so that to accept and or tolerate uh, reality is, uh, I guess, pretty much impossible for most humans. So you have to tell this story. Um, whatever. Let people have their stories. In the end, it's all the same. <laughs> I don't know what to say. In the well, end, it's all the same. Um, I, I don't knowledge, know. is a bur- knowledge of our fate is a burden that yes. very few, maybe yeah. elephants have it because they do yeah. that thing with the bones. And yeah. They, and they, right. you know. But we're cursed. We are, we're, we're cursed by our understanding of our mortality. And uh, so we tell ourselves these stories that make us, uh, I guess, feel better. And uh, but they're bullshit. And anyone who thinks they aren't is in un- such incredible denial that um, there's no hope for them. <laughs> and if it gives but them, but if I it gives them, if it gives them some comfort, uh, fine. But do you think on a deathbed, an atheist and or a believe or a believer? Are, uh, are, are contemplating the future um, in, in, in a different way. We're all frightened to go into some unknown. Sure. And so I, sure. I don't see people who believe uh, happily, uh, you know, heading off to if heaven. I've never encountered anybody like that. 
So I, you know, I, I don't know. Uh, cold comfort. I, I think maybe to live without a narrative is a more courageous way to live. But um, I've never felt I've never felt more comfortable and happy with letting go of religion. Yeah, uh, letting go of religion has been so relieving, and I'm not just blowing smoke. I'm not. I'm not. Like, you know, I'm not making that up. I feel so relieved, and but I also the con the flip side of that is I also feel I also feel really upset that I was um, I was in that. Um, mindset well, for, well, you know, but, or I struggle to be Yeah, that but that's a waste of time to be upset about that. Now, you know, you got, it, it is. I mean, we're all, uh, whatever. Yeah, I see your we point. got, we've got to, we, okay, I see your we, point. we have to stop, stop, stop. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> bye. Thank you. Cheers. Thanks. Thank you. Bye. See you, bye. Bye, bye. Yeah, I brought this up. Uh, I mean, I guess apologies to anybody who's a true believer, but uh, give me a break. <laughs> I mean, really, give me a break. Milton has sent me something odd. I'll, I'll, let me do this, Milton. I'll, I'll share this for what it's worth, and, um, and then I want to change the subject. So, okay, we might do the, the lamp thing. Something totally different, and we can, oh, God, maybe laugh. Um, this is from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, for those of you who might have. I never read it. So this sounds going to, this is going to sound sort of weird, but let me, uh, let me try, and thank God it's in, I don't have to, it's, the letters are big enough. Um, here it is. The total perspective vortex derives its picture of the whole universe on the principle of extrapolated matter analyses. To explain, since every piece of matter in the universe is in some way affected by every other piece of matter in the universe, it is in theory possible to extrapolate the whole of creation, every sun, every planet, their orbits, their composition, and their economic and social history from, say, one small piece a fairy cake. The man who invented the total perspective vortex did so basically in order to annoy his wife. Trin Tragula, for that was his name, was a dreamer, a thinker, a speculative philosopher, or, as his wife would have it, an idiot. And she would nag him incessantly about the utterly inordinate amount of time he spent staring out into space or mulling over the mechanics of safety pins or doing spectrographic analyses of pieces of fairy cake. Have some sense of proportion, she would say, sometimes as often as 38 times in a single day. And so he built the total perspective vortex just to show her. And into one end he plugged the whole of reality as extrapolated from a piece of fairy cake, and into the other end he plugged his wife, so that when he turned it on, she saw in one instant the whole infinity of creation and herself in relation to it. To Th Trin Tragula's horror, the shock completely annihilated her brain, 
But to his satisfaction, he realized that he had proved conclusively that if life is going to exist in a universe of this size, then one thing it cannot afford to have is a sense of proportion. <laughs> Well, yeah, all this reminds me of an acid trip I took. A lot of people taking a mind-altering substance like LSD do get as close to that sense of oneness with the universe. And uh, I'll put that up against uh, any other religious experience <laughs> as those are religious experiences, I guess albeit uh, chemical. Chemicals mucking with that amazing brain in our heads. Okay, I'm going to stop this because this is, um, it's not like we're going to reach a conclusion. Uh, I, you may have started seeing ads for this uh, special congressional election that we've got going here. Uh, with Connor Lamb, the Democrat, trying to flip a Republican district, and with, uh, what's his name, Saccone, uh the Trump-like uh, Republican candidate. Uh, so um, carpetbaggers with lots of money in their pockets have already started uh, polluting our airwaves with political ads. Um, and... This one, I mean, there's a few out there that, that take off on the fact that the Democrats' name is Lamb. And they've decided to then make Nancy Pelosi the uh, shepherdess. And he just another lamb in her flock. And if you've seen some of these ads, there's one. that I mean, they're so creepy and so awful. But this one, and I, I don't even know if you'll be able to understand. Because the if you watch it on TV, the words are put on the screen. This is a Connor Lamb, anti-Connor Lamb ad by the Republicans and it's a bunch of children singing uh, something akin to Mary Had a Little Lamb. Try to get the words. It's unbearable visually. Oh, okay, and audibly too. So here we go. His views were much like hers. He followed her liberal views. That she got from San Francisco? And is that the end? Unbelievable. They couldn't even bother to come up with a rhyme? They couldn't even bother to come up with a kid who could enunciate so you could even understand the words? It doesn't matter that Connor Lamb, one of the first utterances he made, is he was not going to support Nancy Pelosi as Speaker of the House if, in fact, he were to win the election? Because truth does not matter 
at all. Painting Connor Lamb as some Nancy Pelosi liberal is absurd. Um, so I guess without Hillary, they've got to do Nancy Pelosi. So now we have to hate Nancy Pelosi as much as we hate Hillary Clinton. What the hell? What the hell? And the visuals of these Connor Lamb things are so bad, so horrific. Um, if that ad is supposed to help Sacone, I, I think he's going down in flames. If I were a voter in that district, I would be so offended, first of all, by the infantilism of the ad, the bad production values of the ad, and also by the lie at its heart that Connor Lamb is in Nancy Pelosi's pocket. If he were in her pocket, I don't think he would be on record as saying he doesn't want her as Speaker of, the, of a Democratic House. Oh, uh, listen, guys, you got to just sort of batten down the hatches. It's going to be one. It's not going to be safe to turn on your television or radio for um, a few months. Which is why I'm glad I'm getting the hell out of here. We will, by the way, have Connor Lamb, we hope, on the program when I get back. It might be in those last, That's we'll, we'll just have uh, two weeks before the election when I get back, even a little less. And um, I hope he won't be too busy <laughs> at that point, <laughs> running for his life and with a lot of national media requests. So it could be. Maybe we should try to get him tomorrow or Wednesday. Ain't going to happen. We could try. Anyway, that's it, guys. I'm sorry if I've depressed everybody, if I made fun of religion, if I said we're a flash in the pan. But you know what? I speak the truth, including that I'm sorry. Bye. Lynn Cullen Live. Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers.